this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to patient care. My name is Dr. Jenny Perry. I'm a second year fellow at UCSF specializing in cardiothoracic surgery. Today is it, it is an absolute treat to have the opportunity to speak with Dr. Sanji Sano, MD, PhD, Professor of Cardiothoracic Surgery at UCSF. Dr. Sano is a world-famous pediatric heart surgeon, well-known by TSRA trainees as inventor of the Sano shunt, his namesake used in the treatment of hypoplastic left heart syndrome. He spent his early career working at Okayama Medical School, where he later became professor and chairman. He has been on faculty at UCSF since 2017 and runs a lab dedicated to using stem cells in the treatment of single ventricle hypoplastic syndrome. Today, Dr. Sano and I will be discussing the topic of the changing role of palliative procedures in the treatment of neonates and small babies. Dr. Sano, do you have any opening remarks? Um, thank you, Jennifer, for having me in this audio file. Uh, I want to talk about new ideas and new surgical strategies in neonate and small infant. Recently, the way of thinking about palliative surgery has changed a lot. Uh, we have now more small, more complex, and more high-risk patients. I, uh, I think that scientific way of thinking according to the theory and data is needed as a part of a training. Therefore, my goal in this audio file is how to assemble a surgical strategy to the patient who needed a palliative or a staged procedure. And also at the end of our discussion, uh, I will spend a few minutes describing how I have de developed RBPA shunt as a first stage palliation to hypoplastic left heart syndrome. And before starting my talk, I want to tell young fellows one thing, which I learned from my mentor, Sir Brian Barrett Boyce in New Zealand, who have developed a technique of deep hypothermia and circulatory arrest and a homograft and, and, and gained the uh, thirst from Queen Elizabeth in 1971. And also my another mentor, Roger Mee in Melbourne. Both of them said to me that there are two important things for a young fellow to become a good surgeon. One of the, the important things is to acquire a, a good surgical skill. And the other is to have a clever brain, especially academic thinking and innovative mind. Unfortunately, the many fellows in Japan and the USA focus on mostly only surgical skill. So I, I, if I can uh, deliver the academic thinking and innovative mind to you, I'm very happy. Moving on to topic one, PA banding. A mom brings in her baby who has mild blue discoloration of the skin. The baby is four weeks and was born at full term. On exam, you detect a systolic murmur. The baby has no congestion on exam. What does your trainee suspect is the cause? The, a fellow should know the differential diagnosis of cyanosis in neonate and small infant. Top, my, top on my list to have cyanosis in neonate is either transposition of the great arteries, tetralogy follow, a primary atresia, a single ventricle with primary stenosis without, and hypoplastic left heart syndrome. The most of the, the TGA babies become blue in the first week of life and are detected either by fetal echo 
or by transesophageal echo soon after birth in United States, Japan, and etc. Delayed referral more than four weeks is very rare. A TAPVD and hypoplast also become uh, cyanosis soon after birth, usually within one week. So uh, therefore, the most probable diagnosis in four weeks baby with severe cyanosis, a tetralogy follow, or single ventricle with severe primary stenosis. Despite being in advanced medical care, the baby is diagnosed with transposition of the great arteries at four weeks. Since the topic of our, to of our lecture is palliative procedures, how would you treat TGA? Is there any role for palliation in this scenario? If the baby is referred to, uh, to us at the, the four weeks of age, there are two options to treat the baby. The one is the lapid to stage repair, which has developed in late 1980s by the Boston group, and other is to do arterial switch operation without PA banding, because the ideal uh, time of the arterial switch operation is within two weeks of age. The lapid two stage was indicated to late refer baby more than three or four weeks of age. The initial operation is to place PA band to train left ventricle and perform arterial switch operation a few days later or a few weeks after. Lapid a two stage operation is indicated uh, when the thickness of LV wall is thin, usually less than two or three millimeters. But now it is not popular to choose a lapid two-stage strategy to the baby in four weeks of age. Now, the many surgeons perform arterial switch operation without PA banding if the babies are under two or three months. If the baby cannot maintain good hemodynamics after arterial switch operation, the baby is put on ECMO support for a few days to train the left ventricle. The, the PA banding is indicated for several reasons, such as uh, reducing primary blood flow, reducing primary artery pressure to protect the lung, and also to protect the heart from uh, volume loading. The primary uh, PA banding is also indicated to train LV, like corrected TGA before double switch operation. Of note, the uh, bilateral PA banding is often used as a first stage palliation to hypoplastic left heart syndrome. It is so-called as a hybrid or uh, a lapid two-stage uh, procedure. And can you describe to us how PA banding is done? The, uh, the aim of PA banding is to, is to create primary stenosis, decrease primary blood flow, to decrease PA pressure, to protect the lung and the support, protect heart from volume loading, uh, as I said. Uh, by doing PA banding, you can uh, wait intracardiac repair until baby become bigger, which is much safer. Also, the PA banding indicated the baby uh, with high primary blood flow, single ventricle, because the patient needed to protect lung as soon as possible to create a good fontan uh, candidate in the future. And how do you decide the appropriate size of a PA band? Many surgeons use uh, trussless criteria to set the length of the PA band. The initial PA band circumference is a 20 plus 1 millimeter for each uh, kilogram of body weight. Then adjust the tightness of the band afterwards. I learned from mentor Roger Mee that the, uh, the tightened the band should be uh, gradually and, and carefully 
watch saturation, heart rate, and blood pressure. When the saturation, a heart rate, or blood pressure drop, this means banding is too tight. So cut the previous stitch to lose band. And this is the best banding size. Don't measure the pressure, especially in neonate, because primary vascular resistance is different in each babies, and the pressure gradient is not reliable. But this is a famous word, and the Roger Mee Hart learned from Dr. Paul Ebert, a former professor and chief in UCSF. So therefore, two approaches to, uh, to do band. Number one is a, a lateral sarcotomy. Uh, this is most commonly used when the baby needs to repair coarctation of aorta. The disadvantage of this approach is to create light bifur uh, bifurcation primary stenosis with migration of the band because the fixing suture to the band and the posterior side is uh, uh, difficult and also the uh, it is difficult to see from the left the, the the right uh, lateral sarcotomy. The second uh, approach is a median sternotomy. This is most commonly used to the baby with a core and arch hyperplasia. The advantage of this approach is to get a good view, therefore BA band can be placed in more accurate position. The disadvantage of this procedure is a need to uh, put on bypass. Another pitfall of PA band is that the PA band should not be done too tight. Loose a band is safer if you are not experienced and not confident, especially neonating small infant. Even if the, the PA band is a little bit loose to a three kilogram baby, it become gradually tighter when the baby's weight gain to four to five kilograms. Uh, after surgery. Actual technical PA band is initially initially sized band, uh, initially uh, sized based on Trussell's formula and then adjusted to watch changes in system, blood pressure, the heart rate, and an uh, O2 saturation with FiO2 of 0.3 and try to adjust the actual PA O2 between 40 to 45 uh, is ideal. If a PAO2 is less than 35, PA band may be too tight. On the other hand, the PA band is too loose if the PAO2 is over 50. If the PAO2 is around 40 millimeter mercury, means the saturation is sitting around high 70 to low 80s. This information is certainly helpful to the fellow. Pali I think the palliation is much more difficult than corrective surgery because it requires fine adjustment and experience. But technically, it is not diff difficult. So the fellow can learn how to judge the tightness of the band and the senior surgeon supervise. Sometimes it is exciting to see the patient deteriorate so quickly if the band is too tight. But also you're surprised to see that the patient so quickly recovers if you lose the band. One millimeter size makes uh, these differences. This is why cardiac surgery is exciting and interesting. Moving on to topic two, operations that facilitate intraatrial mixing of blood. Your patient was diagnosed at birth as having TGA when the patient was noted to have cyanosis soon after birth. He was appropriately started on prostaglandin 1 in order to increase mixing blood across the aorta and PA. The patient on echo was noted to have a restricted PFO. What procedure should a trainee know that can be done immediately to provide intervention before considering an arterial switch operation? Balloon atrial septosomy should be performed right away after making the diagnosis. Enlarging the PFO allows mixing the blood in the atrial level, so the oxygen saturation will increase to around uh, 75 to 80 percent. 
The, the technique of using uh, a castor-based balloon was developed in 1966 and is known as the Lushkin procedure. And turning to topic three, our last topic, operations that increase pulmonary blood flow. A baby is born with mild to moderate cyanosis and tachycardia. When you listen, you appreciate only a single S2 and notice systolic murmur. What do you suspect? The most common disease is the hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Usually, the most of the babies are diagnosed as uh, the hypoplast by fetal echo, but sometimes the baby will born without fetal echo diagnosis. A transthoracic echo will uh, confirm the diagnosis. A trainee should know the four types of anatomy in a hypoplast. Number one is uh, aortic atresia, the mitral atresia, which is most common. Number two is aortic stenosis, mitral atresia, uh, which is uh, least common. Number three, aortic atresia, mitral stenosis, uh, which is uh, the common and is also the very high risk. Number four, and aortic stenosis and mitral stenosis. And what is the basic pathophysiology of hypoplastic left heart syndrome? The hypoplastic left heart syndrome is a spectrum of uh, inadequate development of left side structure, such as hypoplastic aorta, hypoplastic LV, and the hypoplastic mitral valve. Thus, the baby's hemodynamics depend on the PDA and ASD. The left to right shunt at the atrium to allow primary, blood, primary venous blood to enter from LA to the RA and the blood enter to the RV through the tricuspid valve, then the blood uh, will be ejected from RV to PA. And then the part of the PA blood goes to systemic circulation through the uh, patent ductus arteriosus, and, the, and the, the part of the blood is going to the both lung. Would you explain the principles of treatment of hypoplastic left heart syndrome? The main goal in treatment is a staged palliation as a bridge to univentricular circulation. Initially, the baby receives PGE to maintain patency of the PDA and the balloon septostomy to allow for a left to right shunt via the ASD and they compress the primary venous congestion to protect the lung. Ultimately, the baby will undergo the frontal procedure but initially, high primary vascular resistance makes immediate fontan impossible or create a fontan failure on long term. Initially, the, the node procedure is performed, which consists of creating an atrioseptostomy, reconstruction of the ascending aorta and aortic arch, and placement of a systemic primary shunt to keep the primary circulation. The second stage is a uh, at the, at the three to six months of age, the uh, bidirectional grain is performed and the, uh, the prior shunt is taken down in most of the cases. And finally, at the four to, uh, two to four years of age, the fontan operation is performed. And can you please explain the options to keep pulmonary blood flow? There are two options for keeping pulmonary blood flow. Original operation was performed by uh, Dr. Norwood using a modified uh, blood shunt. In a modified blood shunt, the surgeon placed the interposition graft, uh, uh, usually the PTFE graft, between the, uh, the right subcarrier artery 
or the innominate artery and the right uh, primary artery. Uh, in a modification, the, I promoted the RVP shunt using a small PTFE graft in uh, 1998, commonly uh, uh, referred to as a sun shunt. Can you explain a bidirectional gland as a second stage palliation? In a, a, a bidirectional gland, the SBCs is transected and anastomosed with an IPA in end-to-side fashion. This creates a, a route for SBC to enter the primary circulation without a, a use of a right atrium and the right, a, a right ventricle. This shunt is to supply sufficient, sufficient primary uh, circulation and also the unload the volume of RV. And usually saturation sitting around uh, 75 to 85% in the room air, but the primary vascular resistance must be low when you do a bilateral grip. I would like to spend a few minutes on what led you to promote the RV to PA shunt as a first stage operation in hypoplastic left heart. When Norwood initially performed this operation, he favored an RV to PA shunt. However, that technique was abandoned in favor of an aortopulmonary shunt. What led you to favor using the RV to PA shunt? The, the biggest disadvantage of a classical node using modified BT shunt is that keeping a balance between systemic blood flow and primary blood flow is very difficult. And many babies die in the first uh, 24 to 48 hours after node operation. For example, when the baby is sleeping, systemic vascular resistance is usually low because the baby is relaxed and the more blood goes to the body. So the pressure is okay, but the baby is awake and they start crying um, because of the, uh, the like uh, hungry and thirsty, the systemic vascular resistance will increase. Therefore, the most of the blood goes to the lung. That means blood pressure will drop. So the increasing of, uh, instead of increasing the saturation, the blood pressure will uh, suddenly drop. At that time, the quite often, the baby was arrest. This is why the post-operative uh, management is difficult after classical uh, node, and the mortality is, is a bit, is a, is a, a quite high, as like an interstage mortality is quite high. Roger Mead uh, in Melbourne, uh, my mentor, uh, did uh, no operation, but, but no, uh, no patient survived. The, the operation is okay. The baby suddenly arrested uh, in the evening or at night. This was the same in Okayama University after I was back to Japan. One day I found that the Dr. Node did RVPA shunt using a 12 millimeter Hancock valve conduit. However, he abandoned this technique because all five patients died. And I noticed that the 12 millimeter conduit was too big to a, a very small baby, and RV muscle was sacrificed more. Uh, so, and I imagine that. If uh, I use a small PTFE conduit between RVPH instead of a big uh, Hancock valve conduit, uh, I may be able to control primary blood flow depend on the, the, the conduit size. And also the conduit regulation become much less if I use small conduit. Advantage of RVPH shunt is uh, no runoff the, the blood to the primary circulation. So the uh, diastolic pressure is quite high. Therefore, no need to keep the balance between systemic and primary blood flow. Node pressure, node pressure is to create aortic atresia to primary atresia. And the RVPA shunt is to create um, tetralogy follow instead of a primary atresia, which is more stable because of the more uh, uh, 
a fourth floor to the lung. So um, I used a five millimeter PTFE graft to the baby with hypoplastic left heart syndrome in the first time. And the baby was very stable, hemodynamics, post-operatively, and, uh, and eventually survived. Now, since then, I, uh, I, I do RBP shunt to all hypoplastic left heart syndrome. I presented this technique in the World Congress of Pediatric Cardiology and Cardiac Surgery at Toronto in 2001, and published our initial result of consecutive 19 patients who underwent RBPHN to hypoplast in 2003 when some of my patients reached to Fontan successfully. Hemodynamic instability did not occur in any of these 19 patients. Transcutaneous PAO2 was maintained between 75 to 85%. One patient died of a sudden cardiac arrest and post-operative day one, and one died of sepsis after two weeks. Therefore, the 89% survival and 70 patients are discharged home. There were two late deaths related to obstruction of the RVP shunt in this series. It is important to note that when a node pioneered the procedure in 1981, but he used a large conduit for the RVPA shunt. Therefore, the RVPA shunt fell out of favor and the aortopulmonary shunt was uh, become more common. The idea of no Dr. Node was uh, correct, but unfortunately, there was no small conduit such as PTFE graft in 1980s. Unfortunately, I had a small PTFE graft in late 1990s. As we are the same human, the many senior doctors uh, tried to develop new innovative technique, but many of these new ideas were thought already and abandoned due to poor materials and the instrument and the medical treatment. I think there are still lots of space for innovation, and I hope young people with academic mind will come out after another. Thank you, Dr. Sano, for taking the time to speak with me today and to describe the detailed story of how you promoted an RV to PA shunt.